Hi, I'm Stuart, and you probably don't know me, but I'm a sports announcer, a public address announcer to be exact. You know the people at games you hear but never see? Yeah, that's me. I've started a podcast. I call it the Obscure Ball Podcast. Each episode, we'll dive into a story that's, well, pretty obscure. Oh yeah, and it's related to sports. I explore the strange, the zany, the funny, the mysterious, and sometimes the criminal elements from the world of sports. So for this episode, I thought it might be kind of fun to relive a no-hitter thrown by former Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher Doc Ellis. The catch? He was allegedly on LSD when he threw it. Now this is one of those stories like a lot of baseball fans I'd always heard about, but I only ever knew the headline and some of the bullet points. So for me, it was a lot of fun to do a bit of a deep dive and learn more about that actual game and a little bit about Doc Ellis in the process. Turns out, he was pretty interesting, which probably should go without saying, considering, you know, he was on LSD when he played baseball. But before we get to all that fun stuff, if you would, just take a moment and go to smallleaguestew.com to learn a bit about me and my company, Small League Productions. Basically, it's a digital production service to support other podcasters. Lately, I've gotten to work with some really cool podcasters on some neat projects, and I've linked that on the website, so you can check it out for yourself. And if you need help with your podcast, well, I can do that too. If you're just starting out and need help picking a microphone or maybe editing software or getting that RSS feed made and podcast published, that's all in my wheelhouse. And if you've done all that and just need some help editing your content and whatnot, well, I do that too. So just shoot me a message. We'll figure out what we can do for you. Also, I do voiceovers for all kinds of cool projects. Animated explainers, Kickstarter campaigns, video sales letters, Spotify ads, you name it, I've probably done it. Well, I haven't really done any big TV ads or anything like that. That would be really cool. But maybe we'll get there one day. We'll see. Anyway, check me out at smallinkstude.com. I'll leave a link in the description of this podcast. All right, that's my plug. Now let's start the show. Kirk Gibson's famous home run trot in Game 1 of the 1988 World Series. Jordan's fadeaway jumper. The catch by Willie Mays. The miracle on ice. I could go on and on for a while, but by now I think you get the gist. There have been some pretty iconic moments in sports history. They're ingrained into our memories and immortalized in highlight reels. But some epic moments seem to be forgotten. And maybe they aren't even actual moments at all, but a collection of events that together tell a story so bizarre, so obscure, and so amazing that they can't be contained by a soundbite or highlight reel. Which is probably for the best because for this story, there aren't many of those things outside of first-hand accounts and static radio recordings. I'm talking about Doc Ellis and his incredible no-hit performance on June 12, 1970 against the San Diego Padres. Initially, this was a no-hitter that seemed destined to be more or less forgotten. Ellis didn't quite have the clout of other hurlers of his time like Nolan Ryan. And with eight walks and two at batsmen, it was far from a perfect game. But then, years later, in 1984, after he'd already retired, Ellis revealed that he threw that no-hitter while tripping on LSD, putting the event in a new context altogether. Unsurprisingly, Ellis's claim has been scrutinized by people who think that they know more about his own chemical state at the time than he did, but the event has still become a part of baseball lore, albeit a rather odd one. Now, who just takes LSD before a baseball game? Who is this Doc Ellis guy? 
Born March 11, 1945 in Los Angeles, Ellis established himself as a serious pitching prospect at an early age. In fact, he was a pretty good athlete in general, starting for his high school basketball squad at Gardena High School. In fact, there was some thought at the time that basketball might be his best sport. Ellis, who was an African-American, refused to play for the school's baseball team after a teammate referred to him as a spear chucker, which is a slur that racists use to demean black people. Instead, he played for a semi-pro team where he was watched by big league scouts. Eventually, he enrolled at Los Angeles Harbor College where he was a standout pitcher. That led to him being signed by the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1964. And after a customary stint in the minors, he made his major league debut on June 18, 1968. And it didn't take long for the young curler to become ingrained into the Pirates rotation. During the next few seasons, he carved out a place for himself in the game as a talented pitcher on the diamond and an interesting and at times controversial person off the field. Then June 12, 1970 happens. As the story goes, Ellis flew with his teammates to San Diego from San Francisco on June 10th. The Pirates had just beaten the Giants in a two-game series and had an off day before squaring off with the Padres for a doubleheader. With time to kill, Doc figured that would be as good of a time as any to fly to his home in L.A. to see some friends. So with the permission of Pirates manager Danny Murtaugh, he hopped on a plane to L.A. And that's about the time he decided to drop some LSD. First at the airport, then several times over the next day or so. Eventually, Ellis lost track of time, which I assume is normal when you're doing acid. The next thing he knew, it was June 12th and he was late for work, which entailed starting in a Major League Baseball game. When it dawned on him that he was supposed to be in San Diego to play baseball, he frantically gathered himself and, amazingly, he was able to get to the airport and fly to San Diego in time for the game. Now, I kind of imagine a really dramatic scene, like he's running around the airport terminal like at Home Alone, then a cab comes speeding up to the stadium, screeching tires and all. I seriously doubt any of that's true, but in my head, that's how it played out. It's probably worth pointing out that LSD was a pretty common recreational drug back then. Its hallucinogenic effects are super powerful, and good trips were, and I guess still are, a coveted experience. A chemist named Albert Hoffman first figured out what this stuff could do back in 1943. Then by the 50s, the CIA was like, hey, we can control people's minds with this. That resulted in a horrific experiment known as MKUltra, which that's another story altogether. Basically, LSD affects a part of the brain known as the serotonin system. This has two subsystems, which promote anxiety and pleasure respectively. So in other words, LSD will make you feel awesome or really bad, depending on, I don't know. Doc must have been feeling pretty awesome and thus having a good trip. So Doc shows up, and on top of having a ton of LSD in his system, he actually had a drug dealer who would sometimes be at games to sell him Dexamil, which was an antidepressant that became a popular street drug for ballplayers back then. Actually, pretty much everybody liked it. Bored housewives and teenagers were really into this drug in the 50s and 60s. Then guys like Steve Carlton, Tim McCarver, and Pete Rose were rumored to have been hooked on Dexamil as well. So is Jerry Lee Lewis for that matter. I only bring that up to contextualize this whole situation. By no means was Ellis the only ball player doing drugs back then, but still tripping on acid while you pitch? Well, that's on another level altogether. Okay, now on to the game. 
Hovering just one game under 500 at 28 and 29, the Pirates were favored to win the game over the Padres, who at 26 and 35 found themselves pretty comfortably in last place in the NL West. Top of the first, and as Ellis described it, there was a light mist, which probably just made him trip out even more. Padres starting pitcher Dave Roberts sat the Pirates down in order, setting the stage for a very inebriated Doc Ellis. By his own admission, he couldn't even see the hitters. The best he could do was decipher whether they were hitting right or left-handed. Which isn't a bad start, I guess. Despite walking two batters in the frame, he escaped the inning when he got Padres outfielder Ollie Brown the strikeout looking. On to the second. Pirates left fielder and future Hall of Famer Willie Stargell put the Pirates on the board when he smashed a solo home run. Of course, no one knew it at the time, but that would be all the offense Pittsburgh would need. For his part, Ellis set the Padres down in order in the bottom of the frame. Then in the third, Ellis again walked another batter, Steve Hunts, but got out of the inning when he struck out Al Ferrara. No hitter still intact, and the drugs coursing through his veins. Padres starter Roberts was still holding his own at this point, and as far as we know, was completely sober. He retired the side in order in the fourth inning, with his only blip so far being a solo shot by a future Hall of Famer. Ellis followed that up with a wacky fourth inning. After getting the first guys out pretty easily, Ellis accidentally hit Padre center fielder Ivan Morell. Morell promptly stole second base, and for the second time, San Diego had a runner in scoring position without recording a hit. But ever the magician, Ellis got out of the inning when he induced a pop-up by Chris Conazario. Inning over, no hitter still in check, and Ellis was on another planet, figuratively speaking. By his own account, he was doing weird stuff like diving out of the way of soft grounders that he believed to be line drives. Thankfully, his teammates would fill them and toss out the runners. Problem solved, I guess. So at this point, it's about halfway through the game. The Pirates lead 1-0, and Ellis is tripping balls. As a reference point, he at various times believed that Richard Nixon was the home plate umpire and that Jimi Hendrix was at bat with a guitar. Just to give you an idea of what we're dealing with here. Oh, and by the way, that home plate umpire was a guy named Tony Vinson, who as a side note, was the home plate ump for four no-hitters during his career. Despite issuing a leadoff walk to Nate Colbert in the sixth, who later stole second base, Ellis seemed destined to complete the no-hitter at this point. He got two pop-ups before walking Canazario. Again in trouble, Ellis relied on the strikeout to save him. He got Dean to strike out, and again, he escaped the inning. Top 7. Willie Stargell struck again when he teed off for another solo shot to put the Pirates up 2 to nothing. Doc then made pretty easy work of the Padres in the bottom half, sitting them down in order. Then in the 8th, he walked his 8th batter, but pitched his way out of the jam, still unscathed. This set up the ninth and final inning. In the top of the ninth, the Pirates lead 2 to nothing. Ron Herbel is now pitching in relief of Dave Roberts, who pitched pretty well on his own, just not no hitter well. Herbel sits Pittsburgh down in order. On to the bottom half. Doc stumbles out there, probably not fully aware that he's about to make history. First up is Conazario. Fly ball to center field, caught by Matty Alou. One out. Then Van Kelly comes in to pinch hit for Tommy Dean, who was 0 for 3 with a strikeout. Kelly sharply grounded the first base. Pirates first baseman Al Oliver fields it, flips it to Ellis who, 
somehow had the presence of mind to cover first. Catching the ball with his bare hand, Doc seemed to think he scored a touchdown when he stepped on first. We'll give him that because at least he still knew he was playing a sport. Two down, one to go. Ellis then faces Ed Spezio, another pinch hitter. Now, this is a moment where many pitchers have seen their no-hit bids in in a cruel twist of irony. To bring one of our other characters from another episode back into the fold, Ed Delahanty ruined Cy Young's no-hit bid on July 23, 1896. Pitching for the Cleveland Spiders, Young was just one out away from a no-no when Big Ed knocked a single. Which, by the way, feel free to check out that episode I did on Big Ed. Anyway, having the no-hit ruined with just one out to go? It happens more than you think. But not this time. Ellis easily struck Spezio out. Looking. Game over. History made. Nine innings pitched. No runs, no hits, eight walks, two hit batsmen, and a whole lot of hallucinating. The Pirates won that game 2-0, while the Padres took the second game of the doubleheader 5-2. And later in the season, the Pirates would go on to win the National League East before losing the pennant to the Cincinnati Reds. Now here's a part of the story that's a bit hard to prove, but as legend has it, Doc showed up to the park on June 13th, ready to pitch. Again. His teammates had to inform him that he'd already pitched, and threw a no-hitter. True or not, it's a funny little anecdote. It wasn't until 1984 that the whole backstory of Ellis dropping acid finally came out. Doc told his tale to Pirates beat writer Bob Smezak, who after some public skepticism of his claim, stood by his reporting. There were other writers in the Pittsburgh press, such as Bill Christine, who cast doubt on the LSD theory, and at the time, none of Doc's teammates publicly acknowledged his alleged trip. However, Astros pitcher Spiro Spinks came out in favor of Doc, saying he believed him, indicating that he might have been familiar with his drug habits. For the sake of this podcast, let's go with Doc's version. Not because I know a whole lot about LSD, but it does make for a pretty good story. Also, there's no one that would be more familiar with Doc's state of mind that night than, well, Doc Ellis. So his version wins out by default. Ellis ultimately played 12 seasons in the majors, starting in the 1971 All-Star Game, winning the World Series that year, and then helping the Yankees to the 1976 pennant later on. By any measure, it was a pretty accomplished career, somewhat overshadowed by his drug abuse issues and occasional run-ins with the law. On the flip side, he was also a champion of civil rights and used his platform as a baseball star to stand up for the rights of others. Jackie Robinson even acknowledged his activism. He eventually got sober in 1980 when his son was still young. In his retirement, Doc spent a lot of time helping others struggling with drug addiction and raising money for sickle cell research. He even counseled prisoners in the Pittsburgh area and worked with other baseball players to help them stay off drugs. He even had a brief film career, appearing in Ron Howard's 1986 comedy Gung Ho. An ace on and off the field if you ask me. Later in life, he expressed regret over using LSD during his no-hitter, saying he wished he'd been more lucid for the event. Sadly, he died in 2008 from liver complications at age 63. So that does it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you want, you can subscribe as I plan to keep doing these things as I feel inspired. And again, check out my website link below and drop me a message if you think I can help with your next project, or if there's a story you think I should cover for this podcast. Catch you next time.